If you want to take your Bibles and make your way to Luke chapter 15, that's where we're going to find the assignment that I believe God has sent us on tonight. So go ahead and make your way to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. I just want to encourage you as we get started tonight to ask God, if you haven't already, to shield your heart and your mind, to help you listen with an openness to what he's wanting to speak into your life tonight. Because can I just tell you guys, Satan hates what happens here each and every week. And I, I, I can say that, but I don't think we'll ever fully understand the level of hatred that he has for what takes place in this building each and every week. His ultimate goal is to keep you distracted if he can while you're here. And to prove my point, some of you right now, you're already thinking about something that's going to take place later on this week. So to go ahead and just prove my point that you have a real enemy that stands against you, search your feelings, search your feelings, Luke, and you'll know that he's already tried to penetrate your mind to get it focused elsewhere so that you completely miss out on what's in front of you tonight coming from God's word. And he's a thief. That's what he is. He's a thief that only wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And his tactics have evolved over time, but his plan is still the same. So he wants to distract you guys tonight. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. So let's not give him an opening or an opportunity tonight because Jesus has a greater plan, and that's to bring life Everybody say life. And to bring it in abundance tonight through his word. So in Luke chapter 15, to give you a little background of what has been taking place here, Jesus has been telling a trio of different stories or parables, you might call them, that all have a common theme of something being lost, then being found. So these three parables that Jesus tells in this passage in this chapter of Luke's gospel all center around that common theme. You have something that is lost, somebody searching for the thing that was lost, and then that thing being found. And starting in verse 11, that's where we're going to be at tonight, tells the story of a father who had a son that made some bad mistakes, a story that we commonly refer to as the prodigal son, a story that you might be very familiar with, most of you, a story some of you may have never heard in your life, but either way, if you've heard it a million times, I'm asking you to hear it one more time tonight with an open heart and an open mind and a willingness to receive whatever it is that God wants to speak into your life. So as we look into this story, I want to speak to you from the subject of prodigal problems. And we're going to work through this passage just step by step tonight. So starting in verse 11, Jesus is speaking and he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So the son, he goes to his father and he asks him to go ahead and give him his inheritance. So the picture that we see as we start out is there's a father and he has two sons. And the younger son goes to his dad and he says, Dad, I want you to go ahead and give me what I have coming to me. In other words, go ahead and give me my inheritance. So prodigal problem number one is selfishness. Prodigals always struggle with an attitude of selfishness. The inheritance isn't supposed to be received until after his father has passed. 
But the son rebelliously and selfishly asked to receive his inheritance now. So essentially what he is saying to his father is, you might as well be dead to me. I love you, Dad, but I want what I've got coming to me. I love you, but in other words, in actuality, you're dead to me. I just want the things that you have accumulated. I want the things that you, the good stuff, the, the money, the property, all that stuff. I want that. I want to go ahead and have that, God. You, you, you're just dead to me, Father. And so the father goes ahead and he agrees to let the son have his piece of the inheritance. So we pick back up the story, look at verse 13. It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. So the son cashes in on his inheritance, and he decides he's going to go live it up. Now, if you were to look up the word prodigal in the English language, you would find this definition. It's somebody that, that spends money or resources recklessly, foolishly, or wastefully. And so the son receives the inheritance that his dad is giving him, and he decides he's going to go live it up. So he's partying with his buddies. He's living life to the, full, to the fullest. He's enjoying all the pleasures of this world. Everything is going good for him right now. And in the process of doing so, he wastes all of his money. Prodigal problem number two, squandering. Prodigals always struggle with squandering the things that they have been given. And so he's just wastefully spending all the money that he had received as an inheritance from his father, and he's living it up with his friends, man. They're partying every weekend. They're going to the club. He's buying all the drinks. He's taking care of the ride there and back. Anything that he sees, he gets it for himself. He walks into the store. He buys all these new clothes. He's got the nicest shoes. He's just spin, spin, spin all upon himself. And he gets to the point where he has nothing left. And in the process of that, a famine hits the land. And food and water become scarce. And he has no money to buy any food for himself. And so he ends up in desperation, finding a job for a guy feeding his pigs. And it says that he was so intensely hungry that as he's throwing the slop in the pen for the pigs, he's thinking, boy, that sure does look good. I mean, just imagine, you're in such desperation, you're so intensely in hunger that as you're throwing slop down in the pig pen, it crosses your mind to go ahead and just kneel down there with them and stick your face in it as well to try to get a bite. That's how intense his hunger was. It says that no one gave him anything. It's just funny, you know, how... All of a sudden, his partying friends are gone. Where's all his bros at? Where's all the people he was hanging out with on a weekly basis? They were his best friends when he was going to the club with them and pieing all the drinks for them. Now where are they at? Now that he has nothing, even his friends have abandoned him. And he's sitting there with his mouth watering over some pig slop. 
And it's at this point that he begins to realize some things and understand how foolishly he has been living. It's unfortunate that oftentimes in our lives, we have to step back and figure out that we're standing in a pig pen before we realize how foolish we've been with our lives. But he begins to have this realization of some things that he's done and some mistakes that he's made. So picking back up on the story in verse 17, it says, but when he came to himself, such a key phrase, sometimes you've got to be dead level honest with the things that you've got going on in your life and where you're at right now. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So the son comes to this realization, after it's all said and done, I, I can just go home. I'm standing here in a pig pen, but I realize something. I've made some mistakes, but I can just go home. I don't have to be here in this spot. I can go back to my father's house. And he realized how he has disgraced his father in the process of this. Number one, he disgraced him by asking for something before it should have ever been given to him. And can I just say that that's how it works in the life of a believer too? We don't think of it like that from time to time. But you are disgracing God your father when you are asking him to give you something before he is ready to give it. Because in other words, you're saying, I know what's better for me right now than you do. So if you'll give me what I need in this moment, I can get on with my life. And he realized how he has disgraced his father by asking for the inheritance. And he realizes how mad his dad will probably be when he goes back home. And wouldn't you expect the same thing? Number one, you, you ask for an inheritance that is not yet yours to receive. So you say to your father, you might as well be dead to me. Then you take the things that he has given what he has worked his whole life to earn, he's given you, graciously given you a portion of that, and then you take it and you go off to a distant country and you squander it on booze, squander it on reckless living, you squander it on prostitutes, and you're going to have to go back home and confess to your dad, hey, dad, the reason I'm back home is because I was so wasteful of what you gave me, I have none of it left, and I couldn't take care of myself. I found myself in the pig pen, I actually won't need to slop with them. So he realizes how, how mad his dad will probably be at him. That's prodigal problem number three, sorrow. Whether prodigals want to admit it or not, for the most part, they live in a pretty consistent state of sorrow. And so he comes up with this plan to admit that he's sinned. And he'll go back home and I'll just ask dad if I can be one of his servants, because even his servants live a better life than what I'm living right now. Verse 20, the narrative continues. Jesus continues speaking. He says, And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. So he journeys back home to see his father. 
And before he ever even gets there, his father sees him coming from a distance and having compassion for his son, he runs out to meet him. And he kisses him on the cheek and he clothes him and even throws this massive party for his son, which seems completely backwards to what you would expect. You would think he would come home to a father and he would punish him for the way in which he'd lived. But he admits he confesses his mistakes. And his father, before he ever even gets there, realizes there's his son. And he says, I'm ready. I've been waiting. I've been looking for you. And he runs and he greets him and he kisses him and he clothes him. And he says, let's have a party, man. Let's celebrate. My son is back. And I know you're thinking, well, that's a wonderful story, Trey. Man, Jesus, he was a good storyteller. But how does this have any significance for my life personally? Well, it's funny because Jesus in his sovereignty had every single one of us in mind to hear tonight when he was telling it. And so let's see what this story looks like when we place ourselves into it. At the beginning, we see the son asking for his inheritance. And he selfishly makes this request of his father. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned. There's no one righteous. No one does good. There's not a single person in this room that can be underneath the qualification of good. Nobody. And so just like the son in our rebellion and selfishness, we turn against God in sin. And because we have our own lives that we want to live in our own way. It's not like a familiar narrative It'll get even more familiar as we work through it, I think. And so essentially, we say to God, I want to be the God of my own life. So thanks, but no thanks, God. In other words, you're dead to me. I can play your role on my own. And so we have a prodigal problem of selfishness. And then from there, our condition only gets worse because just like the sun, we go off and we start doing our own thing. Maybe it's the party scene. I don't know. Maybe it's the alcohol. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's materialism, possessions, money, whatever it may be. Maybe it's Sports, we, we give ourselves over to all these things. And trust me, I've been there. I've lived this lifestyle. I've, I've, I've given myself over to things that weren't anywhere near to the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God in my life. I've selfishly turned my back on Him and said, thanks God, but no thanks. I've got a plan laid out for my own life. I've got some things that I'm pursuing on my own. I can handle it. Just give me what I need and I'm going to go on and I'm going to do it myself. And we go and we start living our own lives and we turn our backs on Him. And just like the Son, we live a prodigal life by putting all that we have into these things to hopefully find satisfaction or fulfillment or meaning or purpose. And after we put all that we have into these things, guess what happens? The weekend ends. After we put all that we have into these things, guess what happens? There's a newer product that comes out. It's never enough. After we put all that we have into these things, there's a higher promotion to gain. There's always the next step of the ladder to get to. You can put all that you have into, into athletics like I did, but guess what? There's always another level of competition to get to. 
And it's never enough. There's never any lasting fulfillment. There's never any lasting satisfaction, purpose, meaning, or joy in any of those things. There's a reason why when you live a prodigal lifestyle, it feels like your life is stuck in a loop that never ends. There's a reason why you have to do the same things over and over and over again. Weekend after weekend after weekend looks the same. You go to the same places with the same people, you do the same things. Listen to me, guys. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be ugly. Sometimes the truth, when it shoots straight, hurts the most in our lives. I've got buddies to this day that do the same things on the weekends that they did when we were in high school together. And they do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It's like a never-ending loop that never changes. And you know why? Because there's never fulfillment. There's never satisfaction. There's never meaning. There's never purpose. And when you cannot find those things, you have to repeat those things because you're still looking for it. (laughs) And you might say, well, aren't Christians kind of the same way? Don't y'all go to church every Sunday? Don't y'all do the same thing every weekend? Sunday morning service? Sunday night service? Wednesday night service? There's got to be a small group in there somewhere. Right? Don't y'all do the same things just over and over and over again? Yeah, we do, but there's a difference. Prodigals do the same thing over and over and over and over again because it's never enough. Christians do the same things and go to the same places over and over and over and over again because they can't get enough. In this world and our sinfulness, it'll promise freedom, but it only brings slavery. It promises success, but it only brings failure. It'll promise plenty, but it only leads to famine. Just like the sun, we find ourselves stuck in a famine headed for certain death. And some of you might be thinking, well, I'm good here. I'm not living a prodigal life. This This is a good message for some people in this room tonight. You tell them, Trey. Oh, I know him over there. I know what he was doing last week, man. You get him. You get him. You put that Jesus stuff on him. You put that condemnation on him. You put that judgment on him. Because I'm good. I'm not living a prodigal life. I ain't going out and partying every weekend. I'm not living young and wild and free, being reckless and wasteful. I ain't doing all that stuff. You get them. Sick them, boy. Get But you're prodigal with your time. How reckless are you with your schedule? How wasteful are you with the time in your day? Get them, Trey. Get them. You're prodigal with your energy. I wish I had a dollar for every time I've said it myself, but every time I, I hear people say how tired they are, I said it tonight before we ever even got started. I was talking to a buddy. I was like, I'm just worn out. So tired. Wish I had a dollar for every time I heard that. And the reason most of the time is because we're prodigals with our energy. 
We waste it on stuff that don't matter. If you had to do an energy inventory of your life, I would like to see how much energy gets dedicated to spending time with God. How many of you, with your iPhone, you're the battery people that do the percentage? How many of you show the percentage on your battery? Most of us? I figure so. It's funny because most of us were such prodigals with our energy, we won't start the day off of Jesus when the battery is green. We'll wait till right before we go to bed at night and it's on red. And then we, as quickly as we can, spend a little bit of time with Jesus before the battery dies. We plug it back up to recharge for the rest of the night. Some of you are prodigals with your priorities. Man, honestly, your priorities are a waste, and you're reckless with them. And so don't just think, man, a prodigal is somebody that's at the club every week. Somebody is living foolishly, living it up in the world. You can be a prodigal in all kinds of different ways. Anybody that's wasting the resources that God has placed within their life can be considered a prodigal. And so as we continue comparing ourselves to the son in this story, it's funny because just when all hope seemed lost for the son, he realized that he could just go home. Go back to verse 20 with me. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So just when all hope seemed lost for the son, he realized, I can just go home. I may be in a bad place. I may have made some bad mistakes, but I can just go home. And what God in his great love, grace, and mercy wants you to realize tonight is that he has made a way for each and every one of us to just come home. You can just come home. And that way is through Jesus Christ. So in our own sin and rebellion, we turned away and we separated ourselves from God. And there was nothing that we were going to be able to do to fix our own mistakes. You mess it up. You can't go back and get all the money that you squandered. You can't go back and replace the things that you have broken. And we left Him, we left our God to go and do our own thing. And that didn't work out and now we're stuck. But God in His love and grace did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And He sent His Son Jesus to clear the path, to make it possible for us to come back home. So if we will repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus, our relationship with the Father will be restored. I told you at the beginning that the English definition for prodigal means to spend money or resources freely and recklessly, to be wasteful, in other words. But something struck me as I was getting ready for this message. There are certain words that can have 
multiple meanings, right? So I began digging further into this word. I found that prodigal actually has another definition. And it can also be defined like this. A prodigal can be having or giving something on a lavish scale. And it hit me in a way that it never has before. The fact that in this sense, God is prodigal. In the fact that He has and gives love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness on a lavish scale. Do you get it? Do you see it? In that sense, He is prodigal. He has mercy. He has grace. He has forgiveness. He has love, and He lavishes it on us. Paul wrote in Ephesians, Thanks be to our God who has lavished us with His grace. It's like this over-the-top abundance. You can't put a number on it. You can't place a value. There is no quantity because it's immeasurable. It's innumerable. And He has this to pour out on every single prodigal that wants to come back home. And that's what you see in the story. When the father reacts to seeing his son coming back home, you see this prodigal sense of lavishing grace and mercy and forgiveness in his life. So his son's coming home and he looks up and he sees him. And he doesn't wait for him to come to him. He runs out and he says, Yes! My boy! <laughs> oh, it's my son. I've been waiting. I've been looking for you since the day that you wandered off. But Dad, I've made some mistakes. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, don't worry about that. Man, let's get some clothes on you. I'm going to put a big fat ring on your finger. We're going to kill a calf. We're going to have a barbecue. Man, it's going to be awesome. And all of heaven begins to rejoice because one who is lost been found all over again. I have no doubt for one second that there's some prodigals in the room. Are you going to come home? Are you going to stay in the pig pen? It's your choice. What realization have you come to tonight?